right, it's good to, good to have you all here tonight. We had a wonderful weekend of, of uh, service in our fall conference, and we missed meeting here, but it was good to be back here um, for Wednesday night. All right, tonight we'll be looking at Acts 15, so turning your Bibles there. Acts with the idea of prayer in mind and, and basically praying as as the uh, need arises and we've entitled this and so we pray we see how God's plan um, how our prayers go along in God's plan and God's plan in Acts was to take the gospel out into the whole world so our prayer should coincide with that remember when Jesus taught us how to pray he said thy will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we are praying that we see God accomplish his purpose and his will here. And uh, that, that's, how, that's how our prayers ought to be focused and ought to be pointed. Now, we have a lot of needs. And God wants us to bring those needs to him. He wants us to come to him in prayer. He wants us to recognize that we need we have things that we need, and he is the supplier of our needs. And so we go to him in prayer. So we do a good, I think for the most part, we do a good, uh, uh, we, we, we uh, do a good thing about taking what we need in prayer. What i like us to see more is how that fits into God's will. Because we ought to be praying towards God's will, not just, okay, so-and-so had a doctor appointment, and we pray for that. The person had an accident, so we pray for that. Um, this is happening, so we pray for that. How does that fit into God's will? How do our prayers, how do we think about that in a prayerful way and aligning it with God's will? So some of the challenges that we have, some of the decisions that we make, um, some of the needs that we have, we need to see how does that line up with what God is doing? What is he doing here? And, and, and how do we pray according to uh, to his purpose. In Acts, we won't get into it today, but um, next time we'll go into Acts 15. And so we've been seeing in Acts how different things line up with God's will. We see the outline of Acts when Jesus told his disciples in, in chapter 1 how <clears throat> Holy Spirit was going to come upon them and they were to be witnesses where they are in the extended area and throughout the entire world. And that's the outline of Acts and that is what God's purpose is and what, his, what he's doing in our lives with the gospel today. He saved us for the purpose of glorifying himself and that we, in glorifying himself, we will make known his gospel in our lives to those who are around us and let that circle widen and widen and widen until the gospel goes out into the whole world. That's still his purpose in our lives. So as we pray... Um, we should see how that's lining up. <clears throat> Maybe we're praying because we're sick. We're praying for strength to accomplish his purpose in our own lives. Um, <clears throat> one of my prayer requests um, this week, and I'll be going to a funeral. I had a cousin who died in the Chicago area. He had severe uh, cancer, has had taken a severe uh, turn in his life, um, um, and um, eventually he, he died. And now we're going to their funeral this weekend. I'm not just, yes, I'm praying for safety, but I'm praying for, Lord, how do you want me to interact with my cousins and, and relatives? And it's, it's strange as you, as I've gone down to Chicago many times for funeral, but now we're getting closer and closer and closer. 
<laughs> to my age group, closer and closer. It used to be, yeah, my grandfather, and then it was my uncles. I always saw them as older, but now it's my cousins who are the same age as my brothers who are very close to my age. So it's getting closer and closer and closer. How am I getting the gospel out? Uh, how am I interacting with um, siblings, cousins, uh, relatives in, in a way that, that allows that gospel to go out? <clears throat> In Acts 15, uh, so we see we just came from Acts 13 and 14 where um, God had called out these men, Paul included, to take the gospel out into that area. And we see Paul on his first missionary journey. In Acts 15, we see him coming back to the church in Antioch and them dealing with some issues. Some issues that really have an impact on the gospel or what God was doing with the gospel. So we see his role in that and so we can pray even as we deal with issues in the church we also see how the local church was the center for the gospel going out in people's lives and into the whole community and how um, they were the center for establishing sound doctrine and building from that so we'll be able to see uh, some of those things um, as we go through and I hope we can apply those in right ways in our lives. Before I close here, um, maybe take a moment. It may be a question or two with um, the events of Acts that you might have uh, in, in regards to prayer. Any any questions or um, any questions that you might have from what we looked at in Acts in regards to prayer? Tell you just in the one verse, then and we'll close with that verse. Acts thirteen forty eight. Encouragement to pray, Acts 13, 48. It says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Encouragement to pray. There was a conflict there as Paul was preaching the gospel. Some people attacked him. Um, but we also see some people listened to the gospel. And the Jews rejected it, or many Jews rejected it. There were many Jews who also received the gospel. But because of that separation, <coughs> Paul went and brought the gospel to the Gentiles. And it says, when they heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. God must have opened up their eyes to see how Christ and his death was for them. And it says, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. In other words, God was working out his plan. Those who he had appointed to salvation, he was bringing them to salvation. How? How was he doing that? Through, through the gospel going out, through people like Paul um, and his team of, of missionaries. God was using that effectively to bring salvation so we can be encouraged in our prayers in that God's plan is working. He's doing as he, as he desires. He is successful in doing that. And we can pray, um, thanking God, being encouraged in our prayer, that God is still in the mode of saving people and appointing them, bringing them to eternal life. And we can, we can thank God. His plan is a fall, which means he can use people like me and you in his work for his plan. time of meditation. We're going to be continuing through the book of Hebrews. You think about meditation. You think about 
how to focus on what God wants us to think about. Because meditation is communing with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to read, starting in the end part of verse 8, just a continuation of what we went over last week. Remember, we thought about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, chapter 1. Chapter 2, we talked about the importance of the word. Then we talked about how unique man is. And so now, we're going to look at something a little bit different. It says, now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, shall make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offering of offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being About Jesus, we think about our catechism. Remember our catechism, it said that he had to be truly God, he had to be truly man. And in this passage, what we see is that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. That's what this passage is all about. Look at what it says in verse 8, he put everything in subjection to him. He left nothing outside his control. Verse 10, he calls him the founder of their salvation. He also says, from whom and by whom all things exist. Verse 10 says, for he who sanctifies. Verse 12, it goes on and talks about, behold, I and the children God has given me. He's God, fully God. He created the universe. He understands what the universe consists of. Everything is under his power. But then he's also fully man. He says in verse 8, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Verse 9, for we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels. He was made perfect through suffering in verse 10. Verse 11, they have the same source. He's not ashamed to call them brothers, fellow human beings, 
brothers. Verse 14, he himself likewise partook of the same things, the flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. For he himself has suffered when tempted. He is able to help those who have been tempted. Jesus is fully able to understand us because he was us. He is us. He is still man. Now the thing about it is sometimes people think, well, Jesus died and he became God. No, he died. He still is God. And he didn't stop being man either. He's still man. He is man and God. But even further, I'm struck by verse 12 when it says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. That's really unique. Because he's not actually praising God. He's praising the children that God gave. In other words, we praise God because of Jesus. And Jesus praised God because of us. He said, look at the children you gave me. in the midst of the congregation. Who's the congregation? That's us. I will sing your praise. God is proud to be our brother. So we look at Jesus, we look at God, we look at man, we look at our brother. And that's a unique position for him to be in. That's what sets us apart from all the other religions. When you look at Islam, Allah is separate from anything else. He really don't really care that much about anybody else because he never had any relation with anybody else. But Jesus is our brother. He cares about us. He has a sibling relationship with us. He is a God who's formed a bond with us. He suffered for us and he suffered simply so that he could understand us. And he still is one of us. Through him, we could be proud and say, a man is on the top of all creation, right? But through him also we worship him as God. The disciples got to talk and walk with Jesus. So one thing I've been struck by is this. We have to have full faith that Jesus is who he is. So when we worship Jesus, I know some of our songs, that's why sometimes I'm a little bit critical of some songs because I always think of it like this. If Jesus is standing right here, how would I express my love to him? As a man, standing in front of me, right? How would Peter express his love for Jesus? How would John express his love for Jesus, admitting that Jesus is real, that he's a man, that he's sitting in heaven hearing this, right? God says when there's two or three gathered together, Jesus walks in the midst. So how should we praise him, knowing he is standing right here, knowing that even before us right now, He's standing next to me. It kind of changes maybe how we should speak of him. We speak of him as if he's distant when he's right here. And we praise him because he still deserves our praise. Amen. So we thank God. Let that be our meditation that Jesus is right here. Good evening, everybody. So, today I'm going to lead off with a little story. Um, I was mowing my lawn last Saturday, and 
Um, a gentleman came out of the church. I think he might be the pastor. Um, he never gave me his title. He came out of the church. And I just waved, you know. And he, uh, he walked, came across the street and he came to talk to me. And um, in our conversation that came out, he was asking us if we've noticed a big decline in membership at this church. And um, apparently his church had a, a big decline in their membership. And I told him, um, our church has never really been a big church. It's like, we're a small church, but we're a close-knit church. And I was like, you know, we'll have this, you know, one or two people that come and one or two people that go. But I was like, for, for the most part, largely, our membership hasn't changed. So I want to segue that into what we pray about tonight. Um, I want to have Charmone and Nick. What I want you guys to pray about is this church is made up of us. So I want you guys to pray for you guys. Um, obviously, uh, the people in the church are a blessing. They are, um, a lot of us are family. A lot of us are, are very connected with one another. And we help this church go. We serve in the church. Um, we have different roles in the church. Um, we support the church. I mean, think about um, just getting to go to the conference this last weekend. You know, we all kind of went together. We got to fellowship with the body. We're all part of the same body of Christ. But um, this church would be a lot less lively if there was like two people. <laughs> and you might say, I mean, you never know if there wouldn't be a church. But, you know, it does help keep this church. So um, if you guys would just kind of pray and just focus you know, thank the Lord for the people that he's brought to this church and that he can continue to just grow this church and um, you guys are part of the church, you know, and it's a blessing and, you know, and it's a blessing to um, say that, you know, we don't, aren't losing people like that. We don't have big numbers come and big numbers go, that we have this few committed people that have kept this church going this far. And I'll close in prayer. We're just continuing in prayer. We just um, lift up this congregation. Um, we just praise you for um, entrusting these people to pastor leading, pastors preaching, um, that we are part of his flock. We just um, praise you in that this little congregation is doing a lot of things, and um, we are um, on our mission. We are on our mission to reach the city, and um, we take it seriously, and we just thank you for um, the committedness of the people here and the, um, the amount of work that the people do for your ministry. And we just thank you for um, keeping this church. Um, as Nick stated, you, you kept us through different church splits, um, which can cripple churches, but um, this church has remained steady, and it's remained steady under your um, hand and your guidance, under your keeping. And we just thank you for that. We just thank you for the people in, um, of this body and um, they're being here every every week, and they're um, serving in ministries and um, doing what they can to continue to um, do your work and um, keep this church afloat and just um, continue to um, re uh, work towards our mission to reaching men and their families. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jennifer.